there. Thanks for joining us for worship here at Trinity. My name is Mike, and I'm the site pastor for our South Naperville location. It's an honor to be worshiping with you and entertaining the third commandment today, which is remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy, all a part of our Tender Commandments teaching series. So we're so glad you're here, especially if you're a first-timer with us. A special welcome to you. Now, specifically speaking of the Sabbath, there are four special Sabbaths coming up to make note of. We're going to continue to host worship online, as we have been for the past several months, and we're adding in-person worship outdoors four times over the next two months. That's going to be July 12 and 26, and then August 9 and 23. For those four dates in particular, you're going to want to check your e-news and make sure you know where each site's going to be meeting and also what time each site's worship service is going to begin. We are going to observe all the precautions we need to to keep us safe and healthy as we worship. But thanks be to God, we're going to get to worship together in person again. Amen. I'm looking forward to that, and I know you are too. Hey, be sure and check your e-news for those dates and times, though. Wouldn't want you to miss them. We're going to be excited to lead worship again outdoors and to get out in God's creation and celebrate Him. You know, as a part of this Tender Commandments series, we've been diving deeper into the heart of God to try to explore what it is He means when He gives us a commandment. Now, we know a couple of things about commandments. One, we can't keep them. We need a Savior. So Jesus has saved us. He's the one who is capable of keeping all of God's commandments. And then secondly, we have the commandments to still guide us in life, to guide us every day. And so we look to Jesus not only for salvation, but also for leadership in our life, to make us disciples who understand the heart of God behind these tender commandments. On one particular occasion, Jesus is leading a group of his disciples through a wheat field, and it's on the Sabbath day, and these guys are hungry. They've been traveling. So they pull up a few grains, you know, out of the wheat field and off these uh, stalks of wheat and start to eat them. And a rather grumpy Pharisee approaches them and calls out the fact that they are working on the Sabbath day. Now, back then, the way the law was developed, there was this religious class of leaders called Pharisees who sort of majored in the laws that came from Moses and then all the laws that they extrapolated from the law of Moses over the generations that passed afterward. So this guy in particular was sort of an expert in keeping the law, and he noticed that Jesus and his, command, his companions were breaking the law by eating on the Sabbath or by pulling grain up and eating it on the Sabbath. If you worked at all or, or carried anything even small around on the Sabbath, it was considered to be a capital crime worthy of death. And so the Pharisee calls Jesus out, and the way Jesus instructs the Pharisee has lasted throughout time, and it's informative to you and me today as we're exploring this commandment, why we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Here's what Jesus says. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Let me say it again. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. And when Jesus shares this with the Pharisee, it kind of rocks his world a little bit because he's used to seeing the commandments, all of them, as a standard that he needs to meet in order to be considered righteous before God. And in a way, you and I can be tempted, even as followers of Jesus, to try to do the same. To use a commandment as a way to try to be holy or righteous in the sight of God, to observe the letter of the law, as in, 
you know, I need to go to church on Sunday because it's the right thing to do online or in person, right? Versus looking at the spirit of the law. And what do I mean by that? It's the idea that there's something more behind the commandments that is intended to benefit you and me as followers of Jesus. So as we explore these commandments, and in particular, this one that deals with the Sabbath, the question becomes for us, you know, the Sabbath is more than just going to church because you should or have to. It's more than just engaging God's word because a pastor has told you so. It's more than just having devotional time and prayer time with the Lord because you know it's the right thing to do. It's actually understanding the tender commandment and the depth of the heart of God and giving it to us in the first place. You know, our, our culture has changed pretty dramatically since COVID-19 came along, hasn't it? You know, even a year before COVID-19 came along, there was some research done by uh, the Barna Group, which helps us understand the, the uh, attitudes and behaviors of Christians. Um, they did some research into the amount of information that Christians receive every day or take on every day, and then the amount of rest Christians perceive themselves getting. And in fact, even as the research says Christians feel overwhelmed and over-informed, too much information, and unrested, here's the observation that this one particular researcher makes about the implications of the research. She says, spirituality requires presence, requires you to actually be there. Heart, mind, soul, and strength, be there. A mindfulness, contemplation, observation, she says, spirituality rarely happens in the margins of our schedules, and who among us today even has any of that margin? You know, this was a year before coronavirus hit. And since coronavirus has come along, can you imagine what that's done to the research numbers? Now, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a strange form of restlessness since COVID-19 came out. And I really do need God's direction and guidance on how to approach the boundaries of the use of my time so that I can not only benefit from his teaching and his wisdom, but frankly, so I can be rested and healthy. Here's what I mean. There's a lady up in Michigan who makes pies really well. Her name is Wendy. She owns a store that just went public or, or went online, rather. And so she's begun expanding her business uh, at an exponential rate. Now, she has learned over the years by practice how to carve perfectly a chocolate cream pie. She's learned that she needs to carve it into sevenths in order to give her customers what they want which is the right portion size of pie, fits perfectly into the little plastic containers that Wendy gives them when she sells them a piece of her chocolate cream pie. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time I got a pie, say for one of the kids and one of their birthdays, which happened a couple of weeks ago, I didn't eyeball the pie and say, I'm going to cut that thing into sevenths. Now, that's crazy, right? You take it home and you cut it into eighths or sixths because as you cut it, you know, you can kind of uh, geometrically make sense of it. But cutting it up into sevenths, that's for an expert. In fact, Wendy uses a guide to cut up her pies into those perfect sevenths, laying that guide on top of the pie in the right place, and then following it up with a knife just to get that cut perfectly so she can make her customers happy and satisfied, right? I don't know about you, but since COVID-19 came along, this is kind of what my life has looked like. It looks like a pie that somebody tried to cut and it went horribly wrong. In fact, it looks like a hot, 
mess. Now, I don't know about your schedule, but that's what mine's been like since February of this year. It's a schedule that has all the lines and boundaries blurred in it. There's a personal schedule, and there's a work schedule, and there's a kid's schedule, and there's a marriage schedule, and there's a a time with God schedule, and that schedule has just been mashed up, rearranged, and tossed into the air so that it kind of comes down in one big mess. You know what? I'm not alone. I know I'm not. I know you've had that experience, too. Uh, We are, are in a position now where we have the opportunity to go back to God and see what He prescribes as an antidote to our restlessness, even in times like this, when there's social unrest, there's racial injustice, there's a divide between the governing authorities and the person on the street, and our stress levels are rising. If we stop and take a look at God's prescription for how to be at rest in Him, we're going to see our lives change. Now, if we do that, we're going to entertain some risks. The first of those risks is that you're going to become a countercultural person, those people you love in your life, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and those people you work with, co-workers, associates, they're going to look at the way you're living your life as strange, as countercultural. Kind of sounds like Jesus, right? They're going to see you begin to systematically carve a seventh of your life out for rest in Christ. And that's just more than a physical rest. That's rest that is qualified by Jesus. On the same token, you're going to risk looking like an underachieving slacker. You're going to look like somebody who's underperforming. You may or may not meet your goals because you're taking the proper amount of time to spend with God and rest in Christ. In fact, it's kind of like when we go back to the gym after being out for a while. We feel like underachievers, and this is discouraging for us, but we are called to be encouraged in Christ because God has a plan for his seventh day. There's one more risk. We risk having to redefine what it means to rest. That rest becomes more than just rest in and of itself. It becomes rest in Christ. I don't know about you, but I love a good binge-watching opportunity. And you know, the temptation for me is to begin to see worship services produced online as something to binge watch as an alternative to a show to binge watch. And you know, of course, the temptation that comes with that is the vice versa, to also see a worship service as a form of spiritual entertainment, along with the entertainment we receive on demand when we binge watch. Now, we're not saying binge watching is wrong, but we're saying this, maybe consider the idea that when we binge watch, we're actually working at being entertained. We're finding more and more material to consume as entertainment. And the lines of our use of time uh, seeking out that entertainment are being crossed and blurred, especially since we've been stuck indoors and apart from each other, right? Well, God says this, consider that there is a deeper use of worship. There's a deeper use for the time you spend engaging in worship, whether it be online or in person, and that the depth of the worship is intended to bring you a brand of rest. It's intended to cause you to rest in a way that is different than just physical rest would, or resting while binge-watching or engaging in entertainment. Here's what I mean. Jesus said it this way, 
Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I know we have been wearied and burdened by this coronavirus pandemic and by the lockdowns that ensued. We have a spiritual burden that we bear by the change in our culture. Jesus says, come to me, I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. See, there's a rest for your body and then there's a rest for your soul. And the two are different. We need rest for our bodies. We need sleep. We need exercise. We need health. We also need health for our souls. Our souls need to be cared for. And it is the rest that comes in Christ through his word that gives us the rest we need in our souls. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, this reminds me of asking the kids to carry a float to the pool, right? You're the dad or the mom and you're carrying all this stuff and you're actually getting a really good workout by carrying the stuff to the pool. And you ask your kid to carry one float, you know, and they kind of bellyache a little bit and like, oh, why don't you carry it? You know, you're the one carrying everything else, right? But then you remind them of what the float is for. When you get to the pool, you're going to be able to use that float, float around in the pool, and it's going to be so awesome. It attaches a vision, a purpose for the burden they bear. So when they carry that float, they think about what's coming next. When you and I carry the burden of Jesus, that it is easy and it is light. It is Jesus's leadership in keeping the Sabbath rest his father prescribed then things start to change and we start to understand the spirit of the law. We, under, we start to understand the tender commandment. So you and I are in a state right now where we are constantly connected, where we are overly informed and recklessly entertained. The lines and the boundaries have been blurred and it leaves us restless. But there is a form of restedness that God is giving us in this teaching. There's a form of restedness that we can't get simply resting physically. There's a form of rest for our souls that gives us the full and complete restedness that we need. Here's the way Jesus put it through the Apostle Paul. He said, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives, starting with the seventh and then working out from there, starting with the seventh and going from there, leading from a place of rest in Christ, rather than leading from a place of fatigue and attempted rest under your own power. Teach and counsel each other, Paul says, with all the wisdom he gives. Sounds like small group, right? Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Sounds like regular worship attendance and engagement, doesn't it? More than just simply watching or being entertained, but, but specifically engaging in it, singing, taking in the word, ruminating on it, stewing on it, and maybe even spending time on it after the worship service is over. And whatever you do or say, says Paul, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So this is Jesus instructing us through the Apostle Paul. Here is what you do to rest. You find your rest in me, says Jesus. And there is no other Rest like rest in me. The rest you try to get when you try to get rest apart from Christ is no rest at all. It leaves you restless. The restedness you need 
is in remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy, not because you need to do it for your own sake, but because Jesus has gone before you and kept the commandment for you, and you simply are following him into it. Think about the ways that the seventh can provide powerful, needed spiritual rest in your life, and then begin making small changes. Begin saying no to some things. Begin reorienting some hours and see the power and the dynamic of the Sabbath rest take hold in your life. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your instruction. Thank you that I don't have to keep the law in order to satisfy your righteous requirements. Thank you that Jesus has done that for me. And thank you that he leads me into an understanding of the law that he came to fulfill. That he doesn't just save me and allow me to sit. He calls me to respond. Thank you for that yoke he gives me, which is easy and light. A, light that, a life that follows him into a new understanding of your tender commandments and your heart, the heart behind them. God, give us the wisdom and the understanding and the discernment to make decisions about the use of our time so that we may understand your blessing and benefit from it. In your name we pray and together we say, amen and amen.